because the best thing about music is you can kind of let it sit. You can let a song sit for a year and just revisit it, you know, if, if that idea eventually comes. So, yeah, rule number two is just don't give up on an idea that you have because you never know where it can go. What's up, producers? It's Sam Matler here, and you're listening to the EDM Podcast, a show where I talk to successful artists and people in the industry. Today's episode, episode 22, is with Jake Shanahan, and he's an exceptionally talented producer, as you'll find out through the depth of his answers, and he also runs a label called Powercat Recordings, which we also talk about. Jake and I talk about mixing, we talk about layering, uh, we talk about a couple of his songs, uh, and also how he deals with creative block, as well as a few other things. And one thing to mention is that Jake has put together a preset pack for Silent One uh, for listeners of this podcast. It contains some great presets along with MIDI from some of his popular tracks. If you want to download this, you can click the link in the description or head over to edmprod.com slash jake22. That is the number 22. So that is edmprod.com slash jake22. And that was also the other thing that will be in the uh, the free stuff playlist on SoundCloud, if you're wondering. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsors. Feel like your music is great, but you aren't getting enough plays? Check out the Music Marketing Academy by Booty Vault. Booty is a good friend of mine, and we decided to put together something exclusive for podcast listeners. So if you head over to edmprod.com slash marketing, you'll be able to get access to a free one hour's worth of video training on music marketing, as well as a 24-page ebook called Understanding the Music Industry. So head over to edmprod.com slash marketing to get free access. That's enough of me. Here is Jake Shannon. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Welcome back everyone to the EDM podcast. I'm Sam Matler and today I'm with Jake Shanahan. Jake, how's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Glad to have you on. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm curious. Uh, when I was doing my research, you know, I came across some tracks from Jake Shanahan and then they, they were a bit older and then some tracks from Shanahan. So it seems like you made a switch uh, to just using, is it your last name? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I started out as Jake Shanahan and uh, long story short, my brand, my, my entire brand actually got hijacked um, probably two years ago now. Wow. Um, I, I was actually on a Florida tour, just doing like a four or five day mini tour. And actually in the middle of the tour, uh, every single network that I have, all my platforms completely went down. Um, by, I actually never found out who, unfortunately, but long story short, I had to rebuild everything I worked 10 years for. Um, and so to kind of try to keep, uh, intact with what I built under my full name, I, I just said, you know what, I'll, I'll just rebrand under Shanahan since people will be familiar with the brand. Mm. Um, cause I, cause I, it, it worried to me to, think of having to create a new alias um, mm. from scratch after working 10 years. It's very, very stressful to think about. So at the time, um, that was kind of what I thought. I always wanted to shorten my name even, mm. so it kind of worked out <laughs> in a way. It kind of worked out for me. But it was a very unfortunate and stressful time. Everything from SoundCloud to Dropbox to YouTube was completely gone. Um, luckily, everything was copywritten, and I had a publisher, so there was really nothing this person could do as far as taking my music. But, um, as far as the followers and all the branding I had was completely gone. So, so. so did they, did they hack into to everything basically? Yeah. Everything I had was gone. So that's, that's crazy. Why would someone do that? Yeah. It's, it's scary world. I mean, the passwords and stuff, anybody can get into everything if you think about <laughs> it. So it's very scary to think about sometimes, but there's almost nothing you can do uh, to protect yourself really. Cause I, I never saw this coming. It came out of nowhere and there wasn't anything I could do. Wow, man. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. That's, that's an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically why I'm under Shanahan now going forward in the Jake Shanahan brand. Uh, I think it was around 2011 or 2012. It mm. happened has been, has been gone. So that's why I've had to rebrand. And now the name is just Shanahan. Right. Gotcha. And, uh, <laughs> about an hour before, an hour ago, actually, I, I checked SoundCloud and you just put out a new track. Um, I forgot the name. Forgive me. Uh, Never Afraid. Yeah. Never Afraid. Yeah. Very yeah. cool track. Quite unique. Yeah. Um, tell yeah, us a bit about you. that. Yeah. I just, um, yeah, just was released today on my label Powercat. Um, it's doing very well. It, it got um, support from Don B- Diablo. He was in love with it and we he really put a lot behind it. And I was so thankful for that. And Instead of kind of going to another label after that, since I just opened up my own platform, um, I thought I'd put it out on Powercat. And it's kind of a different sound coming from me, too. It's kind of a different vibe and kind of a piano house track, but uh, also has a little bit of the punch that I always bring. So, um, yeah, it's a great song. I really like it. And the responses from, from artists and DJs has been amazing so far. So I'm really happy about it. And the, the bass line, like, how did you... First of all, what instrument did you use? And um, assuming it's not like a, a real bass guitar, and how did you go about processing it? Because it sounds it sounds very clean, but like a little bit dirty at the same time. Yeah, um, the, the the whole song started around the vocal, and I actually played on my my guitar. Um, mm. And then instead of recording the guitar in, because sometimes it's a little tricky with mics and stuff, if you can get the idea you're playing into a really solid plug-in like contact or something, then it's better to go with that because the recordings in contact and all that stuff and native instruments are a lot better. So once I started the initial idea for the bass line on the guitar, I went into Trillion. 
um, and actually did the bass line in there, which is a real like fret guitar bass plugin um, that's absolutely mind blowing. It's it's a heavy hitter on the on the hard drive, but um, it just works really well with live and dirty guitar bass sounds. And from there, I just kind of passed it through the Maserati plugins, which are by Waves that I know everyone's familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then off the top of my head, uh, just working with the Pro Q2. And then I used UAD for the compression for, for the guitar, and it just came together really silky and distorted a, in a way from the Maserati. It was really nice. Right. Fantastic. And um, before that, you put out a track called Stars and Moon, which is an immense track uh, with Breathe Carolina and Haleen. Uh Now, Breathe Carolina, like I, I came across him when I was much younger, and they're pretty big. Uh, so I'm curious, how did that collaboration all come about? You are like a sunrise You have opened up my eyes There's nothing in the world like you You're my stars and moon Everything around you fades Painting shades of grey There's nothing in the world like you You're my stars yeah, they, they're doing so well. Um, I give them a really, uh, you know, a lot of credit for what they've done over the years from from evolving from their rock sound to dance. It's mm-hmm. it's not really easy to do that sometimes, and their fans have really stayed true to them. So um, I give them a lot of credit. But uh, basically, I started the Stars and Moon track myself uh, almost six to eight months ago, um, just with Haleen, and we were I was writing the ideas, the chords. We had a full track done, and I ended up talking with Will Holland, um, A&R at Enhanced, and we kind of were kind of stuck. I, I think I just basically hit a wall as far as a writer's block, you know? So mm. um, me and Will really liked the, the direction I had, but at the same time, we knew it was just missing that. It was missing something to really make it different, to make it stand out. Um, so after sitting on it a few more weeks or so, me and Will came up with a great idea to try to see if Breathe Carolina liked it at all um, because we both were in touch with them. And um, I thought the idea was great. So we reached out to Tommy over at Breathe Carolina and they fell in love with the track and instantly started writing uh, their style to what uh, I already started with Haleen. So it kind of Mm. came together very fast once they jumped on it. Um, and it, it turned out great because they have that that sound, that lead that they're using in a lot of tracks now that brand themselves. So that's kind of what I felt it was missing at the time. So it really turned out to be a great collaboration. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned you had a block. Like how, how much of the track was done at that point? Um, I think basically I had the chord structure done. Uh, everything was laid out. The funny thing is I actually had, we almost have two different songs um, I actually put a walkthrough up on on YouTube about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I showed the original idea because I like actually seeing, you know, how how it's made a different idea comes to this, and how when Breathe Care like, came on, it was just like a different song and turned out for the better. So, uh, but the chord structure was there. We just felt like it needed a really nice, uh, catchy top line to kind of accent Haleen's voice. And once Breathe Caroline came in and started writing on it. Like we all knew that that was it and that's what it needed. Um, and then uh, eventually 
uh, we worked on the mix down together and I just finished up the mix and master here in my studio and we were all really, really um, happy with it. And, and that was it. It just came together very fast. Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to link that studio walkthrough up in the show notes because uh, I watched it and I picked up a lot. Like there were just these little, there's like this little vocal trick that you did. Uh, you know, you pitched it up along with the the main vocal and a little transitional part. Um, just stuff like that, like so cool. So I'm going to link that up. Definitely recommend watching it. Uh, now, one thing that stands out to me in a lot of your tracks, uh, especially the the more electro house ones, uh, are the build ups. And I know that a lot of people struggle with build ups. So, what advice would you give uh, to those producers who kind of struggle to make their build ups, you know, big enough or struggle to build the necessary amount of tension? Uh, to match, say, the, the drop or the chorus. Yeah. Um, it's funny we, we talk about this one because I actually just put a YouTube video on Vandalism Sounds. I work closely with them. Mm. As far as tutorials and tricks go, we just actually released one today about tension building and kind of like master automation and kind of cool things you can do to, to level out the transition and make the drop really hit. Um, but basically the main thing I do is I don't over do the effects chain a lot of people think stacking effects and sirens and a lot of white noise you know a lot of people think that's it but Mm. i actually think backwards because if you if you're stacking a a bunch of bunch of sounds you know all these sirens one's on g one's on f etc you're gonna get this weird tonal effect and and in the end that's actually losing energy because you're just stacking way too much stuff so once you get to that drop it's it, the listener goes kind of it goes bland you know because it's just too much going on in the build so uh mostly what i do is i actually bust out my effects to a separate channel and i actually high cut low cut those or um put an s1 imager on them to kind of make the effects change uh away from the overall master forever whatever what else is is building around it um I recommend always bussing the effects to control them a little more because if you kind of high cut effects as it's building up, eventually once the drop hits, it's going to have a much more impact because you're not overloading the build up, you know? So mm. uh, it's something a lot of people I talk about, artists I talk talk with, they, they actually look past that. They forget about it because it's a simple mistake because you're sitting there just stacking effects on and you think you're building tension, but in the end you're kind of just creating chaos, I think. So, uh, so yeah, long story short, basically keep it simple. Um, and, and, and the one thing I always use is a master automation with, with the overall volume. I actually start dipping out the volume in the buildup one to two DB. So once the, drop hits i completely slap it right up to zero mm. db so it has a very big a very big emotional hit but, but but really it's all at the same level you're just kind of tricking the listener in a way you know yeah uh, yeah I, I use that as well it's, it's an awesome technique yeah it always works as long as you can do it subtle and and kind of clean with not overdone you know you can really make a great dramatic you know emotion to the drop if you can do it right absolutely and i think that's uh what you said about stacking and um, busting, I think that's a good point because it's very easy to fall into that mindset of if I add this, I'll add more tension or I need right. another riser here. And so you end up having like five different 
characterizes, which uh, is just a mess. Uh, so really good point. I wish more people would, would take note of that. Yeah, it, it definitely is. A, it'll make a big difference. Just the whole thing is simple, you know, keep stuff simple. It always works out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, I feel like I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but you've got a track called uh, Janjira. Is that how you yeah, say exactly. it? Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's oh, it. Awesome. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now the baseline in that, dude, it's it's immense. Like, how did you, how did you create that? What kind of layers have you used in a baseline like that? Uh, yeah, Jinjira is is uh, me and my manager talk about it every day. We're like, it's it's the song. It was so cool to write, and like every time we listen to it, somehow it gets better. Um, but the the writing process for that one took me a very long time. I just sat in the studio trying to figure out a baseline that's like not current you know but Mm. at the same time people can be like okay that's hot that's that's hitting hard but you know the main thing i do as a producer is i never copy anyone i don't really want to reference you know i i'm trying to create my every track to not sound like anyone else that's my main goal when i'm writing so when jinjira started you know i started getting that on the keyboard um the sound design once i had the that kind of off swing bass i knew the sound design had to be something like you know, like the old Fede Le Grand, put your hands up or something like mm-hmm. that has that swing to it. So I, so I actually made the bass, um, inspire and silent together. Cause I like both of those machines and then when they work together, there's a certain really nice tonal effect you get when those two synths are working together. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so the, the Jinjira baseline was three bases. Um, one being a sine bass, uh, normal sine bass, just the 50 Hertz range, and then I took a spire baseline and turned the phaser on. Um, the phaser gives that kind of that talking effect to the baseline that I was going for mm-hmm. without being without having that wow filter type. I just wanted a little bit of phaser, um, and that's what gave that Jandira that kind of walking bass effect to it. It kind of was a running baseline moving because the phaser is actually automating the LFO and the rate to kind of move around. So that's why that baseline worked out and. Uh, it's definitely one of my favorite records I've wrote and I love it. Yeah, it's a great track. Uh, you mentioned that you, you know, you're trying not to copy everyone else. You're trying to be really unique. Uh, I know that a lot of people think that and, and it ends up, they end up under like creative pressure, if that makes sense. And yeah. they feel they feel pressured to make something unique and what happens is they end up not making anything because of that because they're too too scared about copying someone else or you know it's hard to explain but there's i feel like for some people there's a danger in thinking that uh so i mean have have you experienced that have you experienced the the pressure that comes with trying to be unique yeah um yeah i I mean every every producer bumps into it if they don't you know there's something wrong with them it's just the (laughs) truth there's it's just the truth that we go through every day you obviously have to be yourself and brand yourself but you all you know you also have to create something that's touching the current that's out right now is what's Mm -hmm. trending you know you you have to find that that medium line that sits between your brand and what's hot right now but you don't I think some artists struggle with finding that because everything I hear in my inbox this past year has been, 
it just sounds the same to me, unfortunately. Um, there's mm -hmm. very few artists that are standing out to as far as the creative side. You know, there's a lot of great tracks, but again, I'm just hearing too much stuff that's similar. And I think that problem's coming by everyone's just listening to the same set of people, the same labels, um, which I'm not against. You know, I, I get why everyone does it, but me personally, I'm not a reference guy. Um, I'm not against it again, but it's just something that I've always tried to stay away from because once I reference a track or I listen to Axwell all day, well, then I want to be him, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you start getting frustrated because you can't sound like Axwell. It's impossible. So, um, so yeah, long story short, I just try to stay away from referencing too much. You know, I, I just want to stay true to the sound I have in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and if I can't get what I have in my head, I just step away, you know, and take a minute to try to, to try to refresh and try to think differently. I don't go and listen to everybody else's record. Um, because what I've found out, it kind of just makes you sound like them. So, um, it's kind of finding that thin line. That's very, very hard. Uh, you know what I mean? To brand yourself and also sound mm. current. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to do. I'm, I'm curious what you think of, because one thing I do, like if I'm trying to be unique and I do try to be unique, um, I'm going to end up making something very similar to the music I'm listening at the moment. So, like, at the moment, I'm listening to a lot of uh, Matt So. So, I'll inevitably include some some elements of or some stylistic things that he does. Uh, but what I do to kind of refresh the, I don't know, like, creative palette or mental palette is uh, listen to non-EDM stuff. Like oh, yeah. Jazz or blues. I mean, do, do you do that at all? Absolutely. Um, I, I, it's like... It's the best thing to recommend to anyone that's in a writer's block, you know, because mm. if we're just sitting here listening to EDM all day in your studio, you got to remember that, especially if it's the 4-4 four, four at 128, you're just going to lock your brain up, you know, you're going to, yeah, yeah. you're going to just find yourself almost in a, in a daze of you're just lost, you get, you're going to get deeper into, deeper into writer's block because you're just hearing a lot of the same elements, so you know, it's, it's absolutely something I do and something I recommend to just go throw the radio on or just go on Sirius XM and just put a random channel on, you know, mm. um, a pop song or jazz, like you said, it's, even if it's something you don't love and listen to every day, it's gonna, you're going to hear a certain element in, in that genre that you can be like, you know what, I'm going to incorporate that piano sound. I'm going to do that here in my track. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you know, your writer block, writer's block is kind of starting to go away by this simple process of just thinking out of the box, you know? For sure. I, I want to dive into writer's block a bit more um, because it's everybody has a different answer to it normally. How do you deal with it personally? Um, it, I do a couple things. I, I actually just bumped into, I have a single that I'm working on for Enhanced, a vocal single, and I, it's... I got so um, frustrated and, and lost in the track because I love it so much and I know the potential, but then I just hit that wall mm. and I was like, well, some, I got to do something. So I actually just stepped out of the studio, took a drive, didn't have any music on. I didn't take my phone. Um, you know, I was alone. I just wanted to drive away and try to figure something else out, kind of just sit there um, and kind of shut everything off, you know, and kind of do a reset almost. Um, and actually came back, you know, I let that whole day rest. I came back with a fresh set of ears and, and it just clicked. 
Um, but unfortunately, it's not that easy for everyone. Sometimes that doesn't work for me, but this time it did to simply just get out of the studio, you know, because um, people need to remember we're in the studio. You're just in, a, you know, in your box all day and uh, you're in your room all day. You got to get out sometimes to kind of refresh um, and get new ideas. You know, sometimes I'll even just walk the dogs and it'll help, you know, mm -hmm. so um so yeah anything to just get out of the room that's the th the main thing you can't be sitting in the room too long you're just gonna kind of go crazy you know <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. um so yeah just try to get out if you can absolutely yeah i agree with that uh and your mixes i want to kind of dive into to them because your mix downs are very they're very tight i don't know how else to put it very tight very balanced um from like a workflow perspective or, or a philo philosophical perspective, how do you approach mixing? Um, the main thing I do with mixing um, off the bat, once I f like feel my track is final, the actual in-mix of the track, I'll bounce everything down to stems um, so I can actually see all the audio. Once I feel everything's done, I'll press it down and then do a whole new session. Mm. Um, but the main thing I think that I've learned over the years is to mix extremely low uh levels you know like once i throw all my new stems in that are final i i can i just open the mixer up and i grab all the stems and the faders and i toss them down to about negative 20 db or so mm -hmm. um because the main thing i've found over the years uh working with like the waves plugins and uh fab filter and uad and all that stuff is the main thing i found is those plugins react and work best at a lower volume um, it's something that a lot of people don't notice because, you know, you're just throwing the plug in on the effects chain. You're like, yeah, that sounds great. But a lot of people aren't really looking if the plugin is clipping or if something's distorting, you know? Um, so the best way I've found to make it tighter and, and everything react better to the plugins is mix it a very low volume. Um, and then I kind of work the volume back up to get to where I need to be as far as RMS level and stuff like that. But yeah, that was the main thing I figured out in the last few years is to mix your volume very low. Um, it, it just creates so much more headroom and everything becomes cleaner, you know. Um, but the main thing that I put on my master channel is a stereo imager and I just put everything from 100 hertz down into a mono setting. Um, so basically you can just use isotope ozone and just open the stereo imager and just throw the low fader down. Uh, put it down into a mono setting and that creates just so much more tightness in the low end mm. and i think that's kind of why most of my mix downs sit really center and tight and cleaner um so that's worked for me a long time now i really love that yeah for sure and you know you're you're definitely a plug-in guy because i was watching uh the stars in and moon walk through and you use a ton of plugins uh so quick question what are your let's say three favorite plugins for sound design and processing. Um, FabFilter Pro Q2 is by far uh, the best EQ I've ever used. It's on probably every channel. Uh, just the, the, the thought of like the mid side, I know a lot of EQs have that, but the mm. mid side that the FabFilter has put in is absolutely mind blowing. If you guys, um, if anyone doesn't know how to use it, just check their YouTube. They do a great explanation on how to figure out mid side and it will really open your eyes to, to in your ears to sound design. It, it's just amazing. Um, and, and I use a lot of the, the Maserati stuff to give 
grit and like distortion to my sense because if you I've found over the years if you just throw distortion plugins on sometimes they kill the sound you know if you go too hard but I found when you put Maserati on there, it gives it more of like a warm distortion um, in a way. And so it's a great, great set of plugins. Um, I love all the universal audio stuff. You know, you can't beat those plugins. I recently got the Apollo set up um, with the satellite. So you can run 50 to 70 plugins from UAD or something like that. Um, I can't get away from all that stuff. That's great. Um, yeah, that's, that's mostly what I use. I use a lot of effects. Like you said, um, I just love kind of making a sound kind of, kind of go from zero to 100, you know, yeah, it's, I just, yeah. I just don't, I love stuff that's simple, but at the same time, I love kind of bypassing all the effects and hearing that AB and being like, wow, okay, totally different sound. This is really cool. It's fitting the mix. Let's go for it. You know? So um that's kind of why i go crazy with my effects i just love making a totally different sound in a way you know yeah so so in that case would you spend much time initially with like synthesis designing sounds or would you just you know pick a preset tweak it and then spend most of your time on the post processing yeah um usually i start with the sound design because um, I think it's key to get that saw or square you're going for first and mm-hmm. then kind of make it fit in the mix by processing or compression and stuff. But um, yeah, I usually sound design first. I started on hardware years ago, so I always have you know knew how oscillators work and you know what you have to do as far as creating a patch from scratch. So I'm still in that world and still... Um, I just love making a patch from scratch, you know, but, but again, today there's, I mean, there's so many banks out there and stuff, which makes it easier for us. But, uh, I personally don't love just picking a preset up and going with it. I love Mm -hmm. tweaking it a little bit before I get to the processing stage. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, going back to the, the stars and moon walkthrough, like just looking through the project, you use a lot of layers uh, and I know that a lot of producers because I've had so many emails and questions uh, from people asking for advice, a lot of producers struggle with layering in particular. Do you have any tips uh, for layering, let's say, synths or bass lines? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first off, it, it's great to have a lot of layers but the main thing you have to do is have them under control. I know it's easier said than done, but I do see in a lot of, um, even friends that I work with or artists that I see their sessions, you know, you're throwing five, six layers on a synth. And then when you're soloing them out, they're sounding like completely different. So it's almost like you have to picture you're just like building this sandwich and just throwing a bunch of like lettuce, tomato and all this stuff and just squashing it together. Right. Like a lot of people need to think, you know, are you going to like that in the end? It's just Mm going to be chaotic, you know? So I kind of think backwards, like I said earlier, I, I really want to be simple with the layering. So I kind of solo everything one by one, uh, process it so it sounds great as is. It's got to stand, the layer has to stand um, in its own spectrum when, you, uh. when you're EQing and everything. If it's standing, you know, for example, example, you have two saws sitting in the same exact frequency that you're going to get the phasing. They're just going to bounce off of each other and you'll create clutter and mud in your mix. So, mm. you know... Uh, yeah, so you got to really think simple when you're layering, don't overdo it. Um, 
but the biggest part of layering is just EQing, you know, um, and like I said, with fab filter, just throw the analyzer on so you can see where everything's being cut and where the layers are fitting. Cause you know, if you're just stacking the same thing on top of each other, the same oscillator in the same frequency, you're actually ruining the layering and ruining the mix. So, mm. uh, so just stay simple. You know, if you get it with, if you get that sound you want with one or two layers, don't, don't go any further, just stop, you know, and, and just try to mix it correctly and make it fit. That's a good point. I, f- I feel like some people, and I've been guilty of this, uh, kind of layer just for the sake of it. Like, oh, I've only got two layers. I have to add <laughs> yeah. two more. That's yeah. not enough. Yeah, um, I've seen that. <laughs> and one question that, that's helped me, I suppose, is like everything you add or when I when I think about producing, like everything you add has to have a purpose. Like if you're just adding something for the sake of it, let's say it's an effect or like a a sample and you don't know why you're adding it, you probably shouldn't add it. Absol- <laughs> and yeah, new absolutely. producers need to hear that in particular. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes with simple is better because if you're just stacking and stacking and you then you kind of can't hear it anymore, you know, what what was the purpose? You know, so it, it, at the end of the day, you can't hear every layer because some will mesh together mm. perfectly to create this one unified layer. If you bust them correctly and compress compress them, you know, that's the idea. But if you're also losing elements by adding, then it's almost like, why, you know, why you got to ask yourself, why are you doing that? Because you're just losing, you know, that cool synth that you just made by adding another one, you know? So I would just keep thinking almost in reverse, like go back and be like, all right, what I'm going to mute that new one I added in because it it's, there's no purpose, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, just stay simple. It always works. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to switch gears for a bit and talk about your label, Powercat Recordings. Uh, what drove you to start it? Um, yeah, it, it, I started it not too long ago um, with Kenny Stavak. He's the label manager. Absolutely great guy. He's doing immense stuff with marketing and promotion, really getting us out there. Um, but the main thing that kind of pushed me towards it was the sound that's out right now. Um there's really good artists out right now, but like I said earlier, there's also those artists that are just following and kind of just putting stuff out that's really sounding similar. So, um, and some of the labels I worked with, I, I just started, you know, sending stuff and they weren't taking it anymore because their sound was evolving. And I, you know, maybe I didn't agree with that sound. So I was like, you know what? If I still love what I'm doing, let me open up my own label. Um, you know, I, I, I have my contacts, I have my promo list, you know, um, so, so mainly I kind of wanted to do the idea that Kreider was doing with Sosumi. Um, I didn't really want to worry too much about charting or, you know, having to beg someone to go buy my track on Beatport. We really didn't want to focus on that. The main thing with Powercat was A, get DJ support and B, just get our stuff out on everyone's computer. You know, we, mm. we don't, we don't really care about charting or making money at the end of the day. I mean, that's great, but you know, the main focus was support blogs, just getting us stuff to artists. Um, so that's really what Powercat's about. It's a free base label and we're all about support. So that's the main focus. And I was looking through your Facebook page and you do these uh, like live demo things where you're, you're listening to the demos in real time which I think is super cool. I've never seen anyone do that. 
Yeah, I love that. Me and my manager thought about that one day. We're like, let's just try it out because I, I am getting a good amount of stuff in my in my inbox, which I love. I encourage everybody to send demos in. But I was like, instead of just answering them back, which I do, I've been answering everybody. I want to make sure everyone gets feedback, mm. which is something that most labels don't do. And, and unfortunately, they can't because they're getting thousands a day. I, I totally understand. But the main thing I want to do with PowerCast, try to connect with everybody, whether the song fits or not. I want them to always send another track, you know? So I always answer everybody, but I thought one day, why not just go live and kind of play everything mm-hmm. and kind of try to talk to them, you know, right while I'm listening. And it, and it was great. A lot of people loved it, inboxed me and thanked me and said, let's do it again. So I can't wait to do it again because it seemed to, to, to be a lot kind of, easier for everyone to hear, um, you know, that instant live feedback. So it was really cool. How soon do you think you'll be doing it? Um, <laughs> Just I'm so actually going to, yeah, I'm actually going to do one next week. I think I oh, have awesome. scheduled in cause I'm getting a good amount of demos. So I'm going to go over them next week. Probably. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it again. And if someone wants to send a demo in to PowerCat recordings, how can they do so? It is demos uh, with an S at powercatrecordings.com. That's powercat with a K. Yes, powercat with a K. And like I said, we go through everything so people don't have to worry about not being heard or not being replied to. We reply to absolutely every email. So please send them in. Fantastic. Uh, And you also do quite a few tutorials and uh, as mentioned, track walkthroughs on YouTube. Uh, But you also mentioned to me that you, you tutor other artists um so i want i want you to talk about the tutorials but if someone listening wants to get in touch and and learn from you how can they do so and what do you teach yeah um i've been doing like more of a private lesson type thing uh with with the artist anybody that's interested um you can email me at info at shanahanofficial.com um and long story short basically i just say let's go over whatever you want as far as even stuff like management or um, like a a question about a gig or any type of the business side, anything that someone wants to go over, I'm there to help with because years ago, I didn't have anyone do that for me. So I want to make sure anyone that's young and upcoming and really has a passion for this, I really want to help them, you know, especially if they have potential in their music you know, I want to make sure they are heard by Axwell or, you know, Tiesto, wh- whoever, you know, I want to make sure I get them out there. So that's kind of what I'm doing with the tutorial thing is, you know, how can I help you? You know what I mean? So um, I've been doing it privately for a while. And, and we, like I said, we just go over anything that any questions, you know, they want to go over um, tips and tricks. Um, I share my screen with them so they can see me working with plugins or, uh, maybe working on their songs so stuff like that we we go over everything you know yeah that's awesome and and for those listening if you're sitting on the fence there is nothing better than like private tuition uh just the the immediate feedback and the ability to ask questions uh it beats just an odd youtube tutorial and youtube tu- tutorials are great but i mean you can't you know, a lot of people, you'll be watching them and you'll be like, why did he do that? Or <laughs> what made him do that? And, you know, when you're having a live call or something, you can actually ask those those kind of questions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, YouTube is great, like you said, but it's like sometimes you can't 
kind of ask a question on point and then you kind of get lost and, mm. and yeah so once you're live with someone it's kind of get you just get a lot of things done you know yeah absolutely um okay i've got one more question for you jake let's say you're you're about to be abducted by aliens but they let you write three pieces of advice they give you a pen and paper and they let you write three pieces of advice uh for upcoming producers on it before they abduct you and take you away from earth what's on that piece of paper <laughs> that's great um i would say first first thing is do not follow um just don't follow anything that's going on be yourself um like i said earlier just just try to brand what you have in your head instead of listening to everybody else all day you know so definitely number one would be just stay true to the sound and brand that you're trying to build um and number two would be you know just just never give up you know a lot of us producers get so stuck sometimes like we were saying with writer's block just never give up because you might be like five percent away from just hitting that track correctly Mm. so just if you're really kind of down and out and just kind of getting under pressure and getting stressed out about just step away but don't give up on the track because the best thing about music is you can kind of let it sit. You can let a song sit for a year and just revisit it, you know, if if that idea eventually comes. So, yeah, rule number two is just don't give up on an idea that you have because you never know where it can go. Um, and rule number three, just chase your dreams. That's It's simple as that. If, if you have a, a passion, especially with music, just chase it. Don't let... Don't let mom or dad or your girlfriend or boyfriend tell you differently. <laughs> just go, just absolutely do what you want because this, it, you know, it's, if you want to be successful, it's really only up to you and nobody else. So, and, and everyone true. needs to remember that. So it's totally up to you. That is great advice. Uh, well, Jake, thanks for coming on. And, and before you go, where can people find you online? Um, everything is at Shanahan Official besides Twitter. Uh, Twitter is Shanahan Music. So, um, and I'm very active on every account. So I love chatting with everybody. Inboxes, tweets, anything. I answer everything I can. So, brilliant. Hey!